Ben's a good tour, Lord. He has to just continue to bless the service as he will wait. Amen. All right. So make us want your heart. Something you need to do, you mind the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I'm getting a little worried. Most time it's this side over here that's full, isn't it? Ain't that right? Or is it this side? This side? This seems awful full over here. I'm getting worried. Last church I pastored, we had a funeral, and the whole side of the church fell in. I'm getting a little worried over here. Some of them, I'm having flashbacks. All hearts free before we get into the Word of God. All hearts free. All right. Take your Bibles. First Timothy chapter number three this morning. First Timothy chapter number three. And uh, I'll do my best not be before you very long. I uh, just got a little thought that the Lord's got on my heart this morning. I got about seven things I want to show you, but I really won't be long, I promise. It'll just be quick, and uh, I, I say that I might get bogged down, but I really don't plan on being very long. I uh, just want to deal with one verse, in all honesty. I'll say a few things about the whole chapter uh, by way of introduction, but I just want to deal with the last verse here in chapter 3. Bible said in verse number 14, when you find your places, stand with me if you can, and able, honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verse number 14, Paul tells Timothy, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But, verse 15, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Verse 16 will be our text. The Bible said without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do love you this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for what we felt already. Lord, thank you for the Sunday school hour. What a tremendous lesson that we heard. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, thankful for the choir singing, everything that's been said and done. It's been a blessing. We could leave right now, say it's been good to be in your house. But Lord, we realize that, Lord, we've come to another time in the service. Lord, I pray that just for a little while, would you clothe me, cloak of my calling, give me unction, give me utterance that only comes from you. Lord, you know my heart this morning. Lord, I sure do need you that today. God, I pray if I'd be one of the midst lost and done without you, would you save them? Lord, if I'd be one discouraged, would you encourage their heart? Lord, if I'd be one walking the this away, Lord, I pray draw them up close to you once again. Lord, I pray above everything else, would you bring honor and glory unto yourself. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You be seated. And thank you for standing. Now, I want to say a few things about chapter 3 of the book of 1 Timothy. And then I, I'm going to get into the message here in just a minute. If you'll let me maybe teach for a few seconds, a few minutes, then I'll, I'll preach in just a minute. Now, chapter 3, we know we're familiar with it. That's the qualification chapter. 
here in 1 Timothy, verse uh, first part of chapter 3, deals with the qualifications of the bishop uh, or of the pastor. It'd be the same thing. And uh, I'll say this quickly. It's also the qualifications uh, for the preacher that is not a pastor. There's some discrepancy about that. But uh, if, you, if you give qualifications for a deacon, uh, you know there's qualifications for the man of God. And uh, so he gives the qualifications, the first part of chapter 3 of the bishop. Uh, then he goes on after the bishop and he deals with the qualifications uh, of the deacon. And I thought about that all week. I, I just had that on my mind. And uh, see, Mike, the Lord had me <coughs> coming here to this chapter quite a bit this week and couldn't get away from it. And I thought about how much controversy arises from chapter 3. Uh, there's great debate as to who is qualified and what the qualifications mean. And uh, I actually had a man not too long ago ask me what I thought one, well, I might as well just tell you, you know which one it is, uh, what I thought the husband of one wife meant. And I told him, and he said, I just don't think the Lord would be that strict. I just don't think uh, the Lord would expect that. Uh, he, he took it a different way. And uh, I'm not going to get into all that this morning. That's not what I, what's on my heart. But I want, to try to, I want to try to get you to understand this. At the end of the chapter, it often gets overlooked. I read it to you just a minute ago. Verse 14, I'm paraphrasing, but Paul tells Timothy, I write these things to you hoping that I'm going to come to you shortly. Paul, what Paul was saying was this. He sent Timothy to Ephesus to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus, what's happened. And Paul's writing to Timothy, giving him instruction on what to do at Ephesus till Paul gets there. And what he's saying, John, he is, I hope I can get there shortly. Right? He said, I'm hoping I'll be there soon. But he went on to say, but if not, that thou knowest how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Isn't that right? Now, we've read that. We know that. But I, I, just, I, I just got hung up in verse 15. And I told you I'm going to preach on verse 16 I am, but I'm going to give you my introduction on verse 15. Paul said, but if I tell you long, if thou mayest know how thou honest to behave thyself in the house of God. And almost as if Paul knew what somebody would say, he said, we better define what the house of God is. All right? Watch what he said. And I said, behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Paul said, when I say the house of God, I'm talking about the church. That's what I'm talking about. Now, watch what your Bible said. This is interesting. Watch what he said. Verse 14, let's read it together. These things, talking about all of chapter 3, right I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Then he goes on to define it even farther. And watch what he said. The pillar and ground of the truth. Well, that makes sense. We understand that. What Paul was saying is this. Paul was saying, if I, if I do tarry long, if I can't be there, you need to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. If you want to know what the house of God is, that's the church. That's the local assembly. That's the local body. That's the house of God. That is the place that God has put his name upon in this dispensation. And Paul said, that's where you ought to know how to behave yourself. And so that implies to me there's some ways you can misbehave in the house of God. Wouldn't you agree? And so Paul said, you ought 
don't know how to behave yourself in the house of God. And he went on to say the church of the living God. Then he went on even farther to say the pillar and the ground of the truth. Here's what he's saying. Paul said, you all know how to behave yourself in the house of God. It is the, it is the uh, church of the living God. It's also the pillar and ground of the truth. What Paul was saying is this. Paul was saying it's the place of all the world. The church, the house of God, is the only place you can get the truth. That's what he's saying. You turn your news on tonight, don't get mad at me, but you turn news on tonight, I don't care if you watch CNN, I don't care if you watch Fox News, I don't care what, what news broadcaster you choose to listen to, you will not get all the truth. It's going to be uh, biased, it's going to be leaning one way, uh, I hate to tell you, but I don't care how good of a school you send your youngins to, uh, they will not get all the truth. Uh, there's going to be some bias, there's going to be some political agenda, whatever the case may be. There's only one place uh, and one thing that really has the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And and, uh, he is the truth. And as such, uh, the church, the house of God, uh, the church of the living God, uh, becomes the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now here's what I want to say. I'm going somewhere. Me and Michelle was talking a few minutes ago about a situation that uh, that, that, that had arose. And, uh, we was talking about how that it seems like that uh, nowadays that people are not really uh, concerned. They're so set in their ways and they're so, uh, we've just turned the church into a business model is what we've really done, just to be honest with you. Uh, I don't have time to get off into all that, but can I say this? You know what our, our, our very focus ought to be? Number one, I'll be saying sinners saved by the grace of God. That happens by them hearing the truth. And then our, our goal ought to be to spread the truth. Right? Those of, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about those of you that are just sitting on the pew this morning, but I'm talking about those that are saved by the grace of God, been redeemed, born again. There ought to be a desire to give the world the truth. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> they were the only ones that have it. That Bible is the truth. It is the truth this morning. And we want to have a desire to spread the truth uh, of the gospel. Isn't that right? To give hope to a lost and dying world. It's not our job to... Well, God hit me. I won't plan on getting into all this. You realize it's not my job to make you live right this morning. It's my job to give you the truth. Uh-huh. It's not my job to make you dress right. It's my job to give you the truth. Uh, it's not my job to go tell you uh, how to give your finances. It's my job to give you the truth. Uh, God, if I get in trouble right here, it's not my job to let Joe Brown dog catch you. So he can it. Uh, it's my job to give you the truth. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they was talking about politics. I was sitting at Wendy's, and somehow or another I got dragged in up to a conversation between these two ladies and a preacher that uh, if I mentioned his name, every one of you know what I was talking about. He asked me, he said, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? I just my heart, so I him, I said, you probably don't want to know what I think. And he said, oh, you're one of them Democrats. And I said, no, no. 
I said, I don't think he's more than that Bible for me to preach. I, I just find more important than somebody had a vote. I, it may not hit me right there. I, I said, if you'd run back and tell them the truth, they'd vote right. I, yeah. Amen. How if you'd run back and tell them the truth, they'd live right. How yeah. if you'd run back and just preach the gospel, I, you'd find out a lot of things that fix ourselves. I, how, we, how we are the pillar and the ground of the truth this morning. It's our job to spread the truth. That being said, I want to preach this morning out of verse 16 on this thought. What a truth to tell. What a truth to tell. Can I give you a few things about this truth that we have this morning? That's what Paul said. Now he deals with the qualifications of the pastors. He gives the qualification of the deacons. And, and then he tells us why we ought to do that. Why it's so strict. Why it ought to be strictly enforced. I believe it should. Now, I, I'll say this. If I've no longer meet the qualifications uh, of a bishop, you ought to set me down. Now, and if the deacons don't want to meet the qualifications of a deacon, you ought to set them down. Now, without any apology, without any favor, without any fear, uh, you ought to set them down. It is a reason, uh, and the reason is uh, we are the pillar and the ground uh, of the truth. Isn't that right? Uh, and things ought to be handled decently and in order in the house of God. Uh, but our number one job, the reason the qualifications uh, for the man of God is there, Michelle, uh, is to be able to proclaim the truth uh, of the gospel without any tarnish. Uh, have to be found blameless is what the Bible said. Uh, because it is the truth. Uh, there will not be anything in my life or in your life uh, that hinders that gospel. Isn't that right? Me and Michelle's talking this morning about a situation. and uh, She's talking about, uh, I'm not going to give you the whole situation, but uh, we made this statement. She said that a lost person is naturally looking for any reason not to believe the gospel. Uh, and she's right this morning. Uh, and that's why Paul said if a man is out of the office of a bishop, let him first be found blameless. I have the husband of one wife. I have the reason he is my life. I have to be blameless before the community I, so not to tarnish the blessed story and the truth that we had to share. And what a truth it is this morning. That's why the deacons ought to be likewise found blameless. And, all the qualifications of the deacons have. So if a church not being reproach uh, on the truth, that the church can truly be the pillar and ground of the truth. What he said, verse 16. Notice what he said, I like this, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now it almost seems like Paul's just took another step, but he's not. He tells us in verse 15, we're the pillar and ground of the truth. In verse 16, he tells us what that truth is. Yeah. And that's what he said. And without controversy. Now, I will say this. I know Paul wrote it, but it's under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. If you flip over and look at verse number 1 of chapter 3, the Bible says, This is true, so if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. You need on nothing the rest of it. That's one of the, verse 2, one of the most controversial verses in your Bible. You talk five or six different people, you'll find five or six different answers as to what they think the husband of one wife means. Right. And I don't know if Paul was dealing with it in the time because he didn't. He wasn't very specific. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I, I don't mean to say I could wrote it better. I don't mean to say the Bible could be improved upon. Uh, uh, but I've often thought, Kenny, if he used his words a little bit different, uh, we might could have a better understanding. 
But what I have found, I've been thinking about that this week, here's what I have found. In verse number 16, Paul said, and without controversy. What he's saying was there's some things that are just going to be controversial. There's some things people just ain't going to agree on. There's some things people just going to argue about no matter what it says. But Paul said there is one thing uh, that's without controversy. And don't fall out with me. Now, I'm getting to the good part. Y'all say amen a while ago. Now, I'm getting to the good part. You're dying. Paul said without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. He said there is one thing that is uh, without controversy. I want to say it like this. Notice with me, if you would, the peculiarity of the truth. Uh, and what I mean by that is this. There's all kinds of things that are controversial. We just look in chapter 3 and find several things that bring controversy among brethren. i give you a good example. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, well, that's with me. Verse 3, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, talking about the bishop or the pastor. Notice what he said. Not given to lie. Right? Watch what your Bible said. <coughs> Look down in the deacons. Let me find it real quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Verse number what? Yeah, verse number 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. Not double tongue. Listen to this. Not given to much wine. All right? Now, you say, preacher, what's your take on that? I'll tell you what my take is. Bible's a book of Proverbs, wine's a mocker, strong ranks of age, and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. That's right. Hey, right for nobody to drink wine. But there's a great controversy over why it said that the bishop was not given to wine. But for the deacon, he said, not given to much wine. All right? That's controversial. I don't have time to deal with it. That's controversial. There'd be people spent hours arguing back and forth about what that means. Uh, but what Paul said was, uh, well, there are some things that are controversial. And there's some things, let's just be honest, say some things that uh, you and I may do that the church down the road uh, uh, would think would be wrong. Let's be honest, say some things the church down the road might do that I might think would be wrong. There's some things uh, that are just controversial. Uh, but Paul said there is one thing that is without controversy. Uh, great is the mystery of godliness. Uh, and we know this morning that godliness is not that we live right. Uh, it's the fact that his righteousness was imputed to us uh, uh, through salvation. What Paul was saying is this. Uh, the gospel, without controversy, uh, uh, the gospel is a great mystery. Uh, without God, it may, uh, without any controversy, uh, uh, the fact that God could take a sinner uh, with an old black heart, wash it in red blood, and make it white as snow is a great mystery. Uh, you'll not find any controversy. A less may even say that's a great thing, uh, uh, that God could do that. Uh, uh, the greatest professor in the greatest college of uh, the greatest nation on earth uh, uh, would even say that's a great Story that God would save a, a sinner. That's a great thing this morning. It's without controversy. And that's the truth this morning that you and I have been commissioned to tell the world. 
We spend way too much time. I think it's interesting. I enjoy it. I like on Wednesday nights to come in and take a controversial text and break it down and try to figure out what it really is. I think that's a good thing to do. But I'm afraid we spend way too much time trying to debate controversies. When there's one truth, I don't have to question. I don't have to back up. I don't have to wonder. It is that Christ came in this world. How to save sin. Uh, that's a great mystery. That's a great truth. Uh, it's peculiar. It's unlike any other. Uh, there can be no controversy. Uh, there may be some that do not believe it. There may be some uh, that don't put their faith in it. But even they would have to say that God would so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And who so believed in him should not perish. Uh, but have everlasting life. They'd have to say that's a great thing for God. Uh, and a love sinners that much. That's a great thing. It's peculiar. It's unlike anything else. Power so without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Then he goes on to break down what this mystery is. What's what the Bible said? Verse 16. Without <laughs> controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now don't just skim over that too fast and miss what he's saying. Here's what Paul's saying. That's peculiar. It's unlike anything else. Here's what Paul said. God, capital G, little O, little D, was manifest in the flesh. You know what that means? God, in the third heaven, throne room of God, put on a robe of flesh, come and dwelt among men. That's amazing. Without controversy, that's a great mystery. Why God would manifest himself in flesh and come and dwell among men. That's a great mystery. But that's the truth this morning. We've been commissioned to tell. That right? Every other religion in the world, God spoke to a man, and that man spoke to people. Except for Christianity, true biblical Christianity, God manifest in the flesh. God robed himself in flesh and dwelt among men. That's a great mystery. How about honestly this morning, if I make it to April the 1st, been preaching 10 years, and I'll be honest, tell me, I don't have a clue. I, I cannot fathom why John, he would do that. Uh, why he would love us that much. Uh, I cannot fathom it. My mind cannot wrap around it. Uh, oh, but what a story it is to tell. Uh, how that God loves sinners. Not for the good. Not for the rich. Uh, not for the educated. Uh, not for the political. Not for those of great esteem. Uh, but he came to save and seek and save sinners. Uh, what a joy, what a story to tell how that he wound himself in flesh uh, and dwelt among men uh, because he loves sinners. What a story that is to tell. As all things have controversy, can I say this this morning, what a story we've been commissioned to tell. Oh, the peculiarity. Notice the proclamation. What a statement that is. God was manifest in the flesh. That word manifest means to show forth. That's what it means. God showed himself forth in the flesh. An invisible God, that's what the Bible said. An invisible God robed himself in flesh 
so that mankind could lay eyes on him. That's a, what a mystery that he is. Why, Lydia, would he love me and love you that much? Why would he do that? We know the story. We're going to sit right here in just a minute. He, I tell you why he did it to die. God himself died at Calvary. Yeah. They don't fight out with me right there. But that's right. An eternal God that always has been, always will be, died at Calvary because he loved me and you. What a statement. You say, oh, preacher, he didn't really die. That's what the Bible said he did. Yeah. He died. He died. He died at Calvary because he loved me and because he loved you. What a statement that he is. God was manifest in the flesh. What a statement. What's what your Bible said? Not only the proclamation. Notice with me the purity. Boy, I like this. Manifest himself in flesh. He was both a virgin, lived 33 and a half years, sinless upon this earth, and died at Calvary. God was manifest in the flesh and died at Calvary. Then that makes it a statement. Don't read past it too quick. Which what it said. Justified in the spirit. Now hang on a minute. I love my Bible. I thought he died at Calvary. But the verse goes on. You know what that means? Calvary ain't the end of it. Ain't that right? Justified in the spirit. At Calvary, he was manifest in the flesh. And God in the flesh died at Calvary. His flesh died. Now here's what your Bible said. I gotta, you gotta give me a minute. I gotta get this justified in the spirit. We're gonna go on. The Bible said that the wages of sin is death. Right. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Here's what's so special about that justified in the spirit. By the way, I mentioned in Sunday school, if you see it, that word spirit, justified in the spirit, capital S, P I R I T. It's talking about the Holy Spirit, justified in the spirit. Here's what I'm saying. Wages of sin is death. The fact that he resurrected is the single greatest proof that he was sinless found in your Bible. The wages of sin is death. The reason this morning, I'm not, I know several of you have lost loved ones. I'm not trying to be ugly when I say this. The reason this morning that death is so final for our bodies is because of our sin nature. Yeah. Our sin gives death the authority to hold us yeah. as far as our flesh, right? Yeah. We get saved, when we got saved, we didn't, our flesh didn't get saved. Our skin, our, our flesh wasn't saved. That's why we still deal from Sunday school with the lust of the flesh. Our flesh wasn't saved. Yeah. There's coming a time when this mortal should put on immortality. This corruptible should put on incorruptible. But until that time comes, we deal with our flesh, and we go out here to the grave side, to the graveyard, and we lay somebody down the ground. That's as far as we can go with them physically. And they, their body, I'm not trying to be graphic, God knows my heart, but their body deteriorates in death because of their sin. They're high. But the Bible said he was justified in the spirit. What that means is this. What Paul was saying was he got up, resurrected. Death could have no hold. Because he was sinless. Yeah, 
They're high. Right. They're high. Now, hang on, start with me just a minute. His flesh died at Calvary. The Bible said he gave up the ghost. But you fast forward after the resurrection. Remember when he came back and told Thomas, Behold my, behold my side and my hands? What that tells me? He got up with his flesh. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because he's justified in the spirit. Yeah. Two things that, thing, that justified in the spirit tells me. He was sinless and he resurrected. Yeah. Yeah. What a story to tell. What a story, what a story, what a, what, a, what a truth that we have to tell this morning that not only was he manifest in the flesh, not only did he die for us, but he was sinless, yet he loved sinners. Don't, fall, don't, don't look at me like it's old news. I'm telling you, you ought to get revived. You ought to get, hey, you ought to get renewed in your heart what the gospel really is because this is just a, just a truth how it's worth telling this morning that he was sinless and he loved sinners. My, my, my. He died yet he didn't stay that way. S.M. Lockridge, I told you I listened to the message he preached this morning. I've heard him say this. I guess he says it about every message he's ever preached. He comes across somehow or another the fact that he was in a barred tomb. And he'll always say, John, that used to bother him. The one that uh, the one that holds the waters in the hall of his hand. The one that meted out the heavens with a span. The ones that weighs the mountains and the hills and the, and the scale. And he'll, 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 all, he'll go through all these things that he did. And say, but when he died, he just got a barred tomb. He said, then after I got saved, I realized he wouldn't need it long. Yeah. <laughs> right. Real highs are what no use buying one. He wouldn't need it long. Right. Right. Oh, my, my. Well, what a truth to tell this morning. What a, what a story to tell. Uh, the Morrison sisters, that's an old song, but the Morrison sisters uh, sing it. That, that song, I love the old story. Oh, I hope I never lose my eye of it. Uh, how that he died, yet he resurrected. Uh, he was sinless, yet he loved sinners. Uh, he was God, yet he manifested himself in flesh to come and die for me. What a truth to tell this morning. We see the we see the peculiarity of the truth. We see the proclamation of the truth. We see the purity of the truth. He was sinless this morning. Then notice them if you would the perception of the truth. Now see what Paul's doing. He's, he starts out, and you have to read between the lines a little bit. He starts out in heaven. He takes on a robe of flesh and comes to earth and dies. He's justified in the spirit. That shows he's sinless. That shows he's resurrected. Now watch what Paul says. We're going through a progression. He's telling you the gospel in a nutshell in verse 16. Watch what the Bible said, verse 16. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Now here's what I'm going to say. Do you realize this morning there's so many. I talked to a man one time. He told me, he said, that's just too hard to believe. Can I tell you the truth? You don't blame me, go look it up. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is one of the most documented historical events that ever has happened in history. It's more documented than any other event in history. I'll prove it to you. He said, Son of the 12th. 
He was sent, he was in the 11 without Thomas. He was in the 12. He was sent them again. He was sent a 500 after his resurrection. Now, he was sent of the angels. He was sent of all, uh, over and over again, all these many infallible proofs the book of Acts says. It's a more proven event than hardly anything in history. Hardly anything else, John, has that much proof uh, to prove that it actually happened as the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What about that? Can I say this? What a story to tell. Notice the perception. Paul said, verse 16, seeing of angels. Paul stops after the resurrection and says, we better cover something real quick. This isn't just a fairy tale. This isn't just something I'm making up. This isn't just something the disciples come up with. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's been seen. There's eyewitnesses uh, of his majesty. And Paul said, if that ain't good enough for you, he was seen of angels. Even the angels uh, of the host of heaven declare that he is alive this morning. What a story to tell you. Don't fall out with me this morning. What a story, what a truth uh, that there is to share uh, that he is alive uh, and it's documented, it's proven, uh, it's been perceived this morning. Well, I, I, I like this part. North of the fifth thing. But all the perception, what's what Paul said after that? Just find the spirit, son of angels. Boy, you ought to shout right here. Preached under the Gentiles. Now, here's what Paul said. Now, you have to read between the lines of them just a little bit. Paul said God was manifest in the flesh. That's miraculous. All the way back in the book of Genesis, God chose a people was the nation of Israel. God was manifest in the flesh. No wonder he come as a Jew to the Jewish nation. That right? And he died for sinners. But somewhere along the way, John, the Bible said he came to his own, and his own received him not. Right. And he'd have been just and holy and right and just forgetting about the Gentiles. Yeah. But the Bible said not only was manifest in flesh, but he was justified in spirit. He was sinless, and he resurrected. Not only that, he was seen of angels. It can be proven. What a story that is. Boy, I tell you what gets me preached under the Gentiles. You know what you are, Nancy? A Gentile. You know what? I don't have time to go through every one of you, but you know what every last one of you are this morning? A Gentile. Oh my, we want to shout the fact that it was preached under the Gentiles. That we were grafted in. Oh my, oh my. I won't say I see the preaching. I won't say two things about that. I'm glad for the Gentiles. I'm glad that we were grafted in. I'm glad there was a way made for the Gentile how to be saved by the grace of God. How that the sacrifice was made for us. Over in the book of Acts, Peter saw the, how the sheep coming there from heaven, the whole manner of beasts. How the Lord said, Arise, kill and eat. How that's my life verse. I'm just picking, but. I do like it pretty good. Uh, arise, kill me. Peter said, I can't eat that. Uh, here's what the Lord said. Uh, what I've cleansed, calm down, not common. Uh, I say thank God for that. Uh, I'm glad that the blood shed a cow for you. I was presented under the Gentile as well. Uh, I wouldn't be saved by the grace of God. Uh, I'm glad the Gentile was crafted in. Uh, but you know what really interests me? Uh, the way Paul said it, watch what he said. 
He didn't say presented unto the Gentiles. He didn't say told unto the Gentiles. He said preached unto the Gentiles. Can I tell you something? Don't fall out with me. Don't fall out with me when I say this. God hit me. I've said this before and got myself in trouble. Don't fall out with me. Can I tell you something about this, this truth that we're to tell? This story that we're to this story that we're to show. Can I tell you something about it? It must be preached. It must be preached. Now, I'm all for gospel singing. But I'm telling you, I'm not saying the Lord can't use gospel singing. But you won't know why you'll never see me have a gospel singing. And that be it. The Bible didn't say he chose the foolishness of singing. It said he chose the foolishness of preaching. Now some of them fall out. Don't fall out with me. I'm all for good singing. But you'll never see me just have a singing. And there'll not be somebody get up and preach. So he didn't choose the foolishness of singing. He chose the foolishness of preaching. The Bible didn't say they sung under the Gentiles. They preached under the Gentiles. Boy, it's dead, ain't it? I don't kill it. They preach. You say, preacher, you think you're something special? Absolutely not. I don't understand why he called me. No, I don't understand why he used me. But it sure is a joy of my life. How to get up and preach the greatest story. How it could ever be told. And there's just something about a God called man of God. How getting up and preaching with the anointing of God. And preaching the gospel message. It must be preached this morning. Bible said preached under the Gentiles. Oh, can I say it's not to be taken lightly. It's not gossip that's to be shared. It's, I'm not saying you can't do it over the phone. I'm not saying this morning you can't spread the gospel. You can preach the gospel too. There's more than one kind of preaching, but I'm telling you, he chose the foolishness of preaching. That's right. Tell what I think it means. Bible said in the book of Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher does not mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean one who stands up behind a pulpit. It means one who tells a story. What it means. That means every last one of us. But here's what I want you to say. Just as those qualifications for the pastor, I believe our life ought to be in such a way, Michelle, that our life does not hinder the message. Is that right? Tell you what I believe. Bible says preached under the Gentiles. You know, I believe we don't see as many saved as we used to. Remember, she was talking about this morning. I bet somewhere along the way we've quit living it. And our life hinders that message. There's nothing wrong with the message this morning. There's nothing wrong with the story. There's nothing wrong with the truth. It's still, Paul said, he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And it's not changed. I believe what's changed is somewhere along the way, us as a church. Paul said, he's in the, if, he, if he tarried long, we may know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, realizing that we are the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's our priority this morning. And our lives must back up what we say. We must preach the gospel. It's unlike just telling it. I could tell you, Kirk, I could tell you a story, and it doesn't matter whether or not I believe it or not, I still tell you the story. But if you preach, it's got to have conviction behind it. Right? right? Yeah. 
It'd be hard for me to get up and preach something to you I didn't believe. But right now, I can tell you something I didn't believe, but I can't preach it to you. Preaching is a call to action. That's the difference between preaching and teaching. I'm being serious. That's why when I say I might teach tonight, I'm not talking about my mannerisms. I'm not talking about my tone of voice. I'm not talking about I'm not going to hack. That's just, that's just mannerisms, all that is. Every man's different when it comes to that. That's just, that's just my habits. That's just my style. The difference between teaching and preaching is this. If you teach somebody something, you teach them. They learn something. But when you preach, it's a call to action. If you preach the gospel, when I get done preaching, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, listen, if you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Why don't you come? I'm going to take everything I've said this morning in a nutshell. I'm going to try my best to say he died for you. He's manifesting the flesh for you. He was justifying the spirit for you. He was sending the angels for you. He wanted to be preaching to the Gentiles for you. Now it's your turn to do something with it. That's preaching. Where the problem is, me and Michelle's talking about this morning. In fact, a lot of times we try to see our loved ones get saved. If we'll be honest, Michelle, they look at us and say, if they're a Christian, I ain't no worse than they are. Okay, right? It's got to be conviction. There's a standard. There's a, a standard to hold up when preaching the gospel, preached on the Gentiles. We see the preaching. Then sixthly, notice the parameters. Boy, I like this. Watch what your Bible said. Verse 16, just find the Spirit, sin of angels, preached on the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Paul said, for you get to thinking it's just for the Gentiles. He's been believed on in all the world. What a truth to tell. Wouldn't it be sad if all I could say was, well, if you're a Gentile, you can be saved. But I'm glad a Jew gets saved just like a Gentile can. Oh, y'all bogging down this morning. I don't know why y'all, but I'm just going to go ahead and get in trouble. Might as well. I don't rub some of you wrong anyway. Can I tell you something? He can save a white man just as good as he can a black man. There, huh? Hence, same in America, just as good as he can in Nigeria. I'll say something. I'll say something that really blow your mind. Do you know he can save a homosexual just as good as he can a liar, and a thief, and a crook, man, and a prostitute, and a dope addict. And he ain't save a little boy sitting on a church pew uh, just as good as he can all of them. Uh, I'm glad it's for whosoever we are. How the Bible said he believed on in the world. Paul said anybody that believe on him, uh, it's available. What a truth to tell this morning. Oh, but what a responsibility. Believed on in the world. Do you realize that's why you and I are commissioned this morning to reach the world? If we owned a business, if we went in together and owned a business, we'd set aside. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to preach a missions conference, but I'm just telling you something. We'd set aside. We'd try our to decide how much we was going to put in the marketing, how much we was going to put in the advertising, how much we was going to put in the customer acquisition. We was going to say how much, we could, how much money we could put in to draw in more customers. The truth of the matter is, no matter what kind of business you had, there'd be some people wouldn't be interested They'd be some wouldn't need your service. But as a church, as the body of Christ, as a church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, we've got a truth to tell that there is not a man, woman, boy, or girl in all the world does not need to hear it. 
And I wonder how much effort and time and money we put into it. If I do anything as a parent, I say about this this week, I hope one day, and I, I mean this, I hope, I hope in some ways, well, not really, I think it's good for you, but there's a part of me that Kenny hopes my youngins never struggle financially like me and their mama did when we first got married. But I also know what's good for you, and it builds character, and it teaches you lessons. But there's a part of me, Michelle, I don't want to see them struggle like that. There's a parent, if I could teach them anything financially, you know what I'd want to teach them? And I'm not trying to get on money. I'd want to teach them that investing in the work of the Lord and the gospel will bring the highest dividends of any investment you could ever make. Maybe not financially speaking, but all one investment to be able to invest in the greatest truth that could ever be told. Mm, what a blessing. Believed on in the world. What's what your Bible said? Paul closes out with this, and I'm done. We see the parameters just believed on in the world. Then lastly, and I'm done, notice the promise. Paul said in verse number 16, that last little phrase, received up in the glory. Can we read it together real quick? Without controversy, greatest mystery of God, and this God was manifest in the flesh. That's talking about his coming. Justifying the Spirit, that's talking about his resurrection. Seen of angels, that's talking about the proof. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Then Paul said he was received up in the glory. They said, Preacher, what do you mean when you say you see the promise? Let me read you one verse, and I, I'm acquitting. Listen to what your Bible said right here. You don't have to turn with me. John chapter 14, you know it this morning. It's familiar. <laughs> Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Can I say what a story it is to tell? But I'm glad it doesn't even stop John. I mean, I'm telling you what a truth it is to tell. What a story it is to say. I mean, what, what a joy to carry the gospel. You know what I'm doing with the gospel? I'm showing you that he loved you enough that he left the splendors of heaven to come and dwell among sinful men. I'm showing you he loved you enough, he died for you. I'm showing you he's sinless, and he loved you a sinner. I'm showing you he was so sinless, he resurrected, and death had no power over him. I'm showing you that he's sin of angels and can be proven by many infallible proofs. I'm showing you that he's been preached to the Gentiles and now you can be saved. I'm showing you despite where you are, despite who you are, where you've been, that he's been believed on in the world. I'm showing you countless, countless evidences of different men, murderers and black men and white men and Jewish men and uh, Gentiles that have been saved by the grace of God. And I'm showing all to you through the scriptures. Then I can tell you that he's no longer in the tomb, he's no longer on the cross, but he's been received up in the glory and sitting on the right hand of the Father. Oh, but can I tell you perhaps what may be the, make the biggest joy of my life? But to tell you, if you're saved by the grace of God, he's soon coming back. Oh, my. The Bible said that the dead in Christ shall rise. Those of us which are alive, we may should be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. And I like that last little phrase. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 
What a truth to tell this morning. What a truth. What a promise. We went from being a sinner to being a saint that'll spend an eternity with the Lord. What about that? All because of the gospel. And that's the truth this morning. We've been commissioned to tell. 1 Timothy 3.16, one writer said this, and I believe it to be true. said it's the clear, it's the, it's the most concise presentation of the gospel in all the Bible. What he meant was this. In our terminology, it is the gospel in a nutshell. Let's stand our feet.